to episode 156 of Late Night Linux, recorded on the 20th of December 2021. I'm Joe, and with me are Fainin, Yuletide Log, Graham, Merry Christmas everyone, and Will. Ho, ho, ho! <laughs> so yes, it's our 2021 Linux year in review, and we have to start with what is really the biggest and best Linux news of the whole year, and that is Linux on Mars. Pump up the volume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it may go downhill after this. Uh, so let's start with something really positive. This this is amazing, isn't it? It transcends all the bullshit that we have to deal with here. This is Linux on a different planet. Of course, the Ingenuity helicopter, which has massively outperformed all expectations. The mission was to just go up there, fly a little bit, prove that it could do it. But it's now done 17 flights and counting. Yeah, you're right. It's absolutely remarkable, considering the NHS can't write a simple app. Um, there are people sending code to Mars, and it works without crashing anything. <laughs> I wonder if we can send it signals to hide and wait for Elon Musk. Because <laughs> I remember being a bit worried that Linux wouldn't quite do the job and it would let us down. But instead, it's totally the opposite. And now, hopefully on future missions, it's going to be standard practice. Yeah, I would have thought so. I mean, it's always this first test of something, isn't it? Um, you have to put it into the zone and see how it's going to perform. And obviously, it's performed really, really well, remarkably well. Yeah, and now they're even using it as a, a scout for the rover so they can check out areas well ahead of the rover and things like that. So that wasn't even part of its mission to start with. It was just a, a demonstration, but now it's actually doing proper reconnaissance for it. It's really, really cool. I do think it's amazing, like joking aside, that there is a level of software engineering above and beyond everything that kind of all of us are used to in our day-to-day -day lives that has this kind of level of perfection and capability that you just can't imagine software having um, when, you know, you access the web and you try and do anything practical like pay a bill. <laughs> I also really like the idea that there's so much longevity in technology. It was the same with the earlier Mars rovers as well. You know, they're developed over a decade. They take years to get to Mars and then they have a lifespan of years. And none of the hardware, it's not replaced after two years with a new SOC. They're able to make it work and do new science and make it do new things without ever changing anything. Just great software engineering and, you know, and, and genius ideas. And it'd be really nice if we could get back to that a, a little bit more. But what do we do with that drawer full of Raspberry 4s? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. All right, well, that was 100% good news. The gaming story on Linux, that's kind of been mixed, but I think ultimately positive. In February, we found out that Google Stadia was closing its dedicated game studio. Google? Closing down something? I don't believe it. I know, I know. And then for Black Friday, they were selling off the hardware dirt cheap. Didn't you get one, Will, of these controllers? I did. I bought it purely for the controller, um, and it came bundled with a free, well, effectively free um, Chromecast Ultra, which I plugged into the telly and it switched on, and I've yet to use it. The controller's a very nice controller, and for 20 quid, it's, uh, it's pretty good. But I did install the Stadia app and tried to get it working. I got it set up. I created an account. I logged in, and there was just no content that I could download for free. It was straight into you want this game, it's going to cost you 60 quid. And I just am not interested, still not interested in, in trying that out. Certainly not for full retail price. So got a nice controller out of it. So thanks, Google. We also got some recent news about Amazon Luna, which is their Stadia equivalent, which hitherto has run on Windows. 
but they're hiring Linux gaming engineers, supposedly, and they're talking quite a lot about Proton, which suggests that Amazon may well be looking to switch to Linux, which could be good news. Yeah, I think the overall story in gaming is very positive, with the caveat that it's not ready yet for some people. There's so much software being written and developed by Valve and by other people, um, and it's in the spotlight. Um, so I think, yeah, I could see Amazon doing something like this. I can, I can see Valve doing something like this, and I'm surprised they've not done it yet. Well, the Steam Deck is the big story of this year. It was supposed to have shipped by now, but it hasn't uh, quite happened. It's been delayed until probably February, possibly later. We'll see next year. But already we're seeing improvements with Linux gaming with the Steam Deck in mind. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's also brought Arch really into the spotlight. I mean, I know Arch is an incredibly popular Linux distro. Do you run it, Graham? (laughs) But outside of kind of people thinking that it's a really technical Linux distro to get set up in in Linux distro land, it's actually lots of people kind of know about Arch now that mightn't have done already. Um, And that's an interesting thing. I mean, I don't think it's the wisest thing, but it's still shows you some kind of, I don't know, dynamic range in what Linux distributions can be and, and what people can do if they're willing to like take a punt on a distro like Arch. And we saw the easy anti-cheat and BattleEye support is supposedly coming as well. We've not quite seen the fruits of that endeavor just yet, but hopefully that'll be coming soon. Yeah, I really hope that this, when it finally does arrive, is the the turning point, because then all of those popular games, I think we talked about this at the time, but the popular games like Fortnite are important to have on Linux. That's what's going to bring the the kids to Linux for gaming. They'll, they'll come for the gaming and they'll stay for the freedom. Well, that's what I have to ask you, Will. I know it's somewhat of a dirty secret, but you do have a Windows PC for playing games, which is totally understandable in 2021. But do you think there's any chance that by the end of 2022, you might be playing games on Linux or are you just going to stick to Windows? I would dearly love to move to Linux because Windows 10, I've yet to try Windows 11, but Windows 10 drives me crazy every single day. The kids also have Windows PCs for playing games on and all they play is Minecraft and the new Minecraft, there's the Java version, but there's also the the uh, Bedrock version, which is a Windows binary. They play that, they play Fortnite, and they play a few other things like Roblox. And so it's it's so close that they, that they could move to Linux and we could rid ourselves of all of the admin that has to be done to get them using Windows. It would be really great to, to see them move over. I think that this is the last piece of the puzzle. Well, actually, the last piece of the puzzle is convincing the game developers to support Linux. But if all of the roadblocks are out of their way, I really hope it's smooth sailing and I would very happily move over. On to a bit of admin then. And first of all, thank you everyone for supporting us with PayPal and Patreon. We really do appreciate that. You can go to latenightlinux.com slash support if you want to find out more about it. And remember, for $5 or more per month on Patreon, you can get an advert-free RSS feed. And if you want to get in contact, show at latenightlinux.com. Email us, that's the best way. And if you haven't been listening to Late Night Linux Extra and Linux After Dark, you should. They're great. The easiest way to get them is with the Late Night Linux All Episodes feed. So search for that in your podcast player, and then you'll get all the shows. Since we're not having a proper KDE corner, I just wanted to pitch one KDE video that Nico did this week. And it was the KD news, what was up in KD and how it was implemented. And if you're bored over Christmas and you can't take any more turkey, 
watch the video, you'll see all the changes that are made for one of the point releases and where they fix them and what bits. And it's quite fun to watch and shows you how easy it could be to get involved, maybe, especially if you're bored. And if that doesn't take your fancy, I've got a link to alternative front ends to various closed source services that are online that people could try out. You know, things like New Pipe is but there's a much larger range of stuff there as well. So a bit of fun if you're bored over Christmas, you could take a look at some of them. And maybe you can help freedom yourself a bit. All right, well, I'll put links to both those in the show notes then. Okay, this episode is sponsored by Linode. Go to linode.com slash late night Linux and see why Linode has been voted the top infrastructure as a service provider by both G2 and TrustRadius. From their award-winning support offered 24-7, 365 to every level of user, to ease of use and setup, it's clear why developers have been trusting Linode for projects both big and small since 2003. Deploy your entire application stack with Linode's one-click app marketplace, or build it all from scratch and manage everything yourself with supported centralized tools like Terraform. Linode offers great price-to-performance value for all compute instances, including GPUs, as well as block storage, Kubernetes, and their upcoming bare metal release. Linode makes cloud computing fast, simple, and affordable, allowing you to focus on your projects, not your infrastructure. So go to linode.com slash late night Linux, create a free account with your Google or GitHub account or your email address, and you'll get $100 in credit. That's linode.com slash late night Linux. I'm afraid to say the largest segment in today's show doc is just called drama. (laughs) (laughs) There was quite a lot of it this year. The first one that springs to mind is the Free Software Foundation and Stallman. He is still on the board of directors and people are still not happy about it. This came up in March and only recently in December, the FSF have adopted this new governance framework for board members, which I suspect is their attempts to uh, sort out the Stallman situation. Why they haven't just got rid of him, I do not know. I can't take it seriously, though, because the code of ethics starts at one and not zero. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny how there was this huge uproar about it, and then it just seemed to die down. They just seemed to ignore it long enough for people to move on to the next drama. Yeah, I wish Boris would do the same. (laughs) But I I do think you're right, Joe. I guess I think it says more about the FSF and the way that it's perhaps more inward looking than perhaps a lot of us think it should be in terms of preserving its own identity within itself. And it's disappointing. I wish, I wish it could be more dynamic and more adaptable. Even if, it, you know, even if they communicate that they don't agree with the reasons, they still need to be accountable and answerable to criticism. And this just doesn't feel like they, they have responded in, in an adequate way. Yeah, and this new Code of Ethics and Board Member Agreement, I read through them and, I mean, yeah, fair enough, it all seems reasonable stuff, but it's just not enough to deal with the fundamentals Hmm. of Stallman being Stallman and just being outdated. Regardless of what he has said about controversial stuff, just his whole, we talked about this at the time, surely, just his whole outlook and everything. He, he's just dragging them down. He's like a boat anchor. Yeah. And, and kind of my point is that it doesn't really matter about Stallman. It's how you people take the FSF outside of the FSF, how they take the free software kind of movement outside of, of the FSF itself. You can't really take it seriously when it doesn't adapt or change regardless of the, the whether it's right or wrong. And that hurts. 
open source free software that hurts its development and how seriously people can take it. Well, just the stubborn refusal to even accept open source as a term and an idea. At some point, you have to accept that you're Betamax, but they just don't want to do that, seemingly. And while he is around, nothing's going to change. I rather feel that if Stallman had open source software's ideals in the forefront of his mind and was actually looking to improve free software, he would step down because he understands the problems that he causes. And he hasn't done. So I can only assume that he is not interested in actually advancing free software. And what what he is interested in is his own personal agenda. And it frustrates me that he hasn't seen the light and and moved out of the way. All right. Well, the next bit of drama that seemed to move this aside was the Audacity situation. Audacity 3 came out in March with this new SQLite file format, and I was a bit skeptical. And that was really the start of a bit of a shit year for Audacity, because in May, there was this announcement that they'd been acquired by MuseScore, and everyone was a bit skeptical about it. And then the contributor license agreement came along in June, and then the privacy notice in July, and they just managed that whole thing really badly. Although for the last five months or so, we've not really heard any more, so maybe they did manage to put that fire out. I haven't seen anything in the news, so perhaps they just stopped talking about it. Maybe, yeah. I I haven't. I double-checked as well, and there's nothing in my RSS feeds after that about Audacity. I think they just tried to sneak that stuff through the House of Commons when no one's watching. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yeah, yeah. That being said, if anybody's on an LTS release, like I look at my version right now, it's 2.3.3. So it hasn't quite affected, I'd say, an awful lot of people yet. No, it hasn't. And it was a, a real storm in a teacup, really. But it seemed to be all about just poor community management and poor communication and PR. And another example of that was the Freenode fiasco. This happened in May. It seems like it was only yesterday, but uh, apparently not. So I still haven't got fully to the bottom of what went on and, and honestly don't really care because it's, like I said at the time, it's it's like caring about what's going on with the latest fax machine developments. <laughs> but essentially everyone has moved over to Libera chat. I still, Libera, I still, all these months on, don't know how to say it. Well, we have a channel you can come in and we'll teach you how to say it. There you oh, go. yeah. Should I do my customary uh, while we're recording, pop into the chat and say, I hello, everyone just shuts up for a second and then I leave and then you'll start chatting again. <laughs> just don't just don't have Graham make you a, a, an op because you'll get kicked out. <laughs> Did we ever actually sort that out? Well, Graham's an op. <laughs> yeah, I did make you an op, Phelan, and then you logged out. <laughs> I didn't log out. You logged me out. <laughs> <laughs> but that does seem to have settled now, doesn't it? It just seems to be that pretty much anyone who cares is on Libera, Chat, Libera, and Freenode is just sort of limping along. I think so. I don't know. I've... I haven't I've just looked at Freenode now as we're talking and and it's looking kind of normal but just a couple of weeks ago it was all like exploding on Freenode again over all kinds of political stuff. It really has just imploded. I don't know what's gone on there. I, I don't know if anyone ever will. It it maybe there is a link to between this and people coming into communities and thinking that it's an opportunity to I don't know monetize it or leverage it in some way they'd say um without any wider understanding. I know that's not really the case with Freenode, as the owner had been the owner for a long time, but 
Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they start using NFTs of IRC <laughs> messages that bring everybody in. Oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe ultimately it's about control. People just fighting for control and they, they're not sure what they're going to do with it yet, but they, they want to have it. <laughs> All right. Another big drama was the GitHub Copilot situation. This is GitHub or, well, Microsoft, let's face it, scanning all of GitHub and training their AI based on everyone else's code. And people were not happy about this. But again, this seemed like this massive thing in June, but then it just seemed to just disappear. And I've seen mixed reviews of Copilot since. Some people saying, oh, actually, for some tasks, it could be really handy. And then other people saying, this is just the worst thing in the world. Notice one point, none of the leadership in, at the top of GitHub is there anymore. Just putting that out there. Mm. The, the story of drama this year has been that it, maybe it's because everyone's just frustrated that they, they can't go on holiday and go to conferences and stuff. But just all of these have blown up massively and then just gone away again. And something else has come along and replaced it as drama of the week. It's taken its toll on people throughout. And we've seen a lot more drama and a lot more intense drama. I mean, I haven't even included all the GNOME stuff because I think we'll talk about that next week in the predictions. But if you just look at what's happened, and I'm sure, well, I'm, I know that it's not just in Linux and open source. It's in many aspects of society as well. But I'm really hoping that this time next year, the biggest segment won't be labeled drama. Okay, this episode is sponsored by Entroware. Go to entroware.com. Entroware sells computers with Ubuntu and Ubuntu Mate pre-installed. They've got a range of desktops, laptops and servers and most parts are configurable so you can pick the CPU, RAM and storage that's right for you. If you can't find exactly what you want, then do contact them and they'll work with you on a bespoke solution that's perfect for your needs. They ship to the UK, Republic of Ireland, France, Germany, Italy and Spain. And if you do buy one of their machines, there's a little drop down at checkout and you can select late night Linux so they'll know that we sent you. So go to entroware.com for all your Linux computing needs. It's been a fairly big year for ARM Linux. The Raspberry Pi Pico was announced in January and uh, we'll come back to that next time, Graham, when I think you'll get a point. Only one? Maybe more. And then the Raspberry Pi Zero 2W was only just announced in November, and I'll be getting a point for that. So it's uh, been a pretty good year for Raspberry Pi. They managed to buck the trend of supply chain issues, at least to a large extent, and they seem to be trucking along nicely. They did put the price up, didn't they? I remember. I don't know if the price has come back down, but they did have, they added like £10 or something to some of the Raspberry Pis. Yeah, which was uh, fair enough, really. I don't think it's come back down again yet. Yeah. But uh, good year for Pi, I think. Yeah, I think they communicated the price rises very well, very tastefully, and explained it to their sort of core user base very well. Uh, and now there's talk of uh, floating as well, becoming a public company. So this is, yeah, good news for them. And the Pine Phone Pro was announced in October. I'm still a bit sceptical about that. We've yet to see it actually go out to many people. I think it's gone to some developers at this point, but it's, uh, yeah, we're still... Still waiting to see what's going to happen with that. And of course, the huge story of the year has been the M1 Macs and all of the efforts to port Linux to them. Although it's funny that this could have almost gone in the drama segment because Corellium were first to port Linux 
And their whole thing is virtualized iPhones and stuff. And, and they like to do these publicity stunts. They got Linux running on an iPhone 7, I think. And there was a bit of drama with the Asahi folks. But anyway, the Asahi Linux team have done excellent work. In uh, August, we saw the GNOME desktop booting, although with no hardware acceleration, but then apparently it still ran pretty well. And uh, the, the end of year report is looking pretty promising. I keep waiting for the installer to drop it. I do not want to hassle them. That is just not the done thing, is it? But I'm just, every day I'm just waiting for this installer because I read the documentation and I could do it, but it'd be much easier with an installer, wouldn't it? But I suspect we may also talk about that in the predictions episode as well. <laughs> when failing, we'll be wrong, but uh, we'll see about that. Will he though? Will yes, he? he will. I'm not so sure he will. <laughs> I do think the M1 story is not necessarily for Linux specifically. It's a positive story in making ARM in the mental mindshare of, every, of everyone, like your next laptop <laughs> SOC, um, because it just offers so many more opportunities and better battery life and better performance for, for how most of us use it. Graham, we're not your wife. You don't have to explain all the money you dropped on your uh, MacBook Pro. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree with you, Graham. It seems like such a massive gap in the market, and we will talk about this next time, but um, there wasn't really an alternative other than the, the Apple Silicon, which surprised me. Do you have any interest in running Linux natively on yours then, Graham? I'm running a VM of Linux, a couple of them, and they perform so well. And to spend resume works, <laughs> I may take a little bit of convincing. I mean, for a long time, for the last six years, I've run Linux natively on an old an Intel Mac. Um, and I've kind of had to troubleshoot that with updates and constantly kind of have, have to massage it back into working. So I'm a little bit reluctant to go there. But maybe, yeah. Yeah, maybe if it's able to reach some level of maturity, then I will. You use it for a fairly specific reason, though, with the music stuff, right? I do, but I, I hadn't bought a laptop since 2013, and I am using it for a lot of Linux stuff. I'm using it for a lot of work stuff. Um, I was, I mean, I was building things on it today. I was building um, a text editor built in Rust on a VM of Arch Linux, and it was building quicker on that on the on the Mac than it was on my like i9 desktop PC, which I'd been building all week as well. Well, I'll be the canary in that particular coal mine with my M1 MacBook Air that I got specifically to run Linux on. And I'm kind of uh, tapping my fingers waiting for this installer. But I understand these things take time. And it was the, the Pro and Max chips came and, well, distracted them is the bottom line. I thought we were going to get this installer, but then the new shiny came out. And that that's really my biggest worry, is that the M2 will come out and distract them again, and they'll be constantly chasing the work on that, and it will never get fully finished. But uh, we'll see. I've been proven wrong before, so I'm not going to say dumb stuff like that again. Hang on, I just did. I, I retract it all. It's going to be great. And this time next year, I'm going to be running Linux on it, and it's going to be amazing. Don't worry, I've got your dumb covered next week with my prediction, so you'll be fine. Damn right you have. Okay, this episode is sponsored by CBT Nuggets, training for IT professionals or anyone looking to build IT skills. Go to cbtnuggets.com slash late night Linux and sign up for a seven day free trial. The on-demand virtual labs mean you can build practical experience with the commands, config, scripts, and everything you need to get the most out of each course. Another standout feature is the accountability coaching service, available to all learners with a subscription, which gives you access to a real person 
who will help you craft a personalized learning plan and set goals, and we'll check in with you to keep you accountable. So start your free seven-day trial today at cbtnuggets.com slash late night Linux. It includes unlimited access to all course materials, including virtual labs. That's cbtnuggets.com slash late night Linux. I don't think we can avoid it any longer. I've tried to claim that many things were the big story of this year, but there's only one story that has taken over the entire tech world, the entire world generally. The amazing investment opportunity that are NFTs. Boom. <laughs> well, I've been doing a simple screen record of this whole document that we've been looking at, and I'm going to sell that online for a million euros. Good luck. If it's not an ape wearing sunglasses, it's not worth shit, mate. <laughs> I don't know why you guys are all so negative about this. Because it's a con. Here, I've, I have a bridge over here in Dublin that I can sell to you. <laughs> Only via <laughs> NFT, though. But it's like you all think that there's something fair about life. <laughs> <laughs> ah. That capitalism works in your favour, and it's a game that if you play fairly, you'll be fairly rewarded. Where is that rule written? NFTs are just a symptom of the system that we live in. You reap what you sow. Right, so what, essentially we weren't being cynical enough. That's point taken. <laughs> you know, you pretend with property or you pretend with careers or you pretend with whatever you want to pretend. NFTs are just another symptom of that. I don't see them being that different to anything else, to government economics policy or whatever. I mean, I do agree that they're bad, but so is almost everything else when you start to look at it. I know, but at least you might have some material value in your hands at the end of it, as opposed to a fucking receipt on a server that might disappear. What is material value? What does have material value? An, an actual real painting painted by someone? Where's the value in that? At least you can beat the person with it afterwards if you don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Take a synthesizer, Graham. Let's, let's try and get on your level here. You spend loads of money on a synthesizer and then you have a synthesizer that you can press the keys on, twiddle the knobs on and make cool noises with. Yeah, but all I'm doing is distracting myself. I mean, I admit that. That is all I'm doing. I'm, I'm putting enough lights, flashing lights in front of myself so that I stop thinking like this. Well, is that not life described? <laughs> Distracting oneself before the inevitable? Yeah. And, and in that way, that's what NFTs do as well. They're distracting a load of people. They're making other people money and other people are losing money. And isn't that just a metaphor for, you know, Western society? Would you buy an NFT of a synthesizer, Graham? <laughs> well, I have been doing. That is what I am doing, basically, because that is what they do. They just make some stupid sound. At least it's a physical thing that, it, or, or even a so, buy a software synthesizer. What's the difference? What's the difference? We, basically, we need nothing. You know, need nothing to be happy. You just need some basic requirements satisfied and everything else is, is basically superfluous to your requirements. But we all pretend that we need this stuff and we need to be distracted by this stuff when we don't. And NFTs are just another, the next level of that. I take some comfort in my personal belief that nobody is actually getting rich from NFTs because people are buying magic beans with other magic beans. <laughs> and you know, ultimately, nobody has actually made a million dollars by selling a picture of a monkey or whatever it is that they've been traded for some other cryptocurrency, which you know, is still ethereal. And none of this actually exists. And therefore, none of it actually matters. You're not saying Bitcoin's a farce too, are you? No, it's a Ponzi scheme. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, yes. There we go. It is a Ponzi <laughs> scheme. Well, what I learned from this year is that Tim Berners-Lee, he's on the shit list, as is Jimmy Wales. Wikipedia founder, he's on the fucking shit list as well. Moxie Marlin Spike, 
he trolled people with his literal shit NFT, so I think uh, he gets a win there. Stan Lee's turning in his fucking grave after that was only recently this week or last week that uh, his estate is is trying to cash in with fucking NFTs. Oh. And Brian Eno, in a recent interview, said that he's not a fan of NFTs. So, uh, oh, don't make me like Brian Eno. What's wrong with him? He made cool synth sounds and stuff. Uh, he invented fucking Ambient. Aye, but he he ruined a lot of you two. You two were good up until he started getting involved. Then they all went weird. I <laughs> don't believe you. Yeah. I think you uh, are laboring under the uh, misapprehension that you two were anything other than shite, ever. <laughs> You're just jealous. You can't have them. Nana, nana, nana. All right, well, let, let's end on, is it good news? Is it just uh, yet another reminder of our mortality? And that is that this year, Linux turned 30 years old. <sighs> Right, well, with that, we've got to get out of We'll be back next week with a look back at our previous predictions for 2021 and our new predictions for 2022. But until then, I've been Joe. I've been Venom. I've been Graham. And I've been Will. See you later. <laughs> <laughs>